Welcome to another episode of the Not This Podcast, the podcast where we deconstruct fear-based belief systems and patterns with curiosity and love. I am your host, Tina Marie Olson, and today we're talking about your personal GPS. All of us have an inherent built-in way to understand what our personal, unique life path is. The problem is, being a human being, we forget. That's part of the gig. We come here to Earth School, we forgot our map, (laughs) we forgot that we had a GPS, and so we go fumbling around for a while. That's part of the way that we learn our lessons. But the thing is, is once we bring our personal GPS back online, once we start learning how to use it again, understanding that we can rely on it and trust in it, everything changes. Our journeys become so much more magical, so much more filled with joy and trust and love. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today we are talking about your personal GPS. And no, I don't mean Google Maps or or Waze (laughs) or whichever way you now navigate around town. Like, what did we even do before that, right? Um, We're actually talking about the GPS that's within you. And what's so interesting and intriguing to me about this conversation, uh, which inherently (laughs) currently is a monologue, is the fact that I have no idea what your personal GPS feels like, sounds like, how you experience it, but what I do know is that you have one. So if you're willing to play with me today, we're going to explore this and I'll use some personal examples and examples of things that I've observed over time and we'll just look at this and kind of plant some seeds for your upcoming experiences. We all have this huge opportunity right now in life during this great pause called the coronavirus pandemic to be listening to ourselves more deeply than ever. Yes, for a lot of people, You have the experience of having a lot of loved ones around you and maybe less personal space than you normally have. But at the same time, you also have inevitably a lot fewer distractions. There are a lot fewer choices about how you're spending your days, how you're spending your time, how you're spending your free time outside of work. What all of that looks like right now is extremely different than normal. And that's part of the reason that I am on board with calling this a great pause because in a lot of ways, this can feel like being on personal retreat. And I know the word retreat probably has many different connotations for many different people, but hear me out on this. What other circumstances would we come to where a large portion of the world is 
primarily in their homes with their families. And even for people who are doing essential work, and huge shout out to all the people who are making the world still run. So grateful for all of you who are in those jobs, and I know your life is no less chaotic than normal. But going back to this idea, for those of you who are primarily at home with your work now, with your kids, uh, maybe just with yourselves, or with your, um, you know, a couple other family members, the amount of distractions, the amount of options any given day is a lot fewer. Now, again, honoring all sides of that, there is absolutely amazing creativity that has been born out of this. There are so many things available on Zoom. One of the things that I've loved, for example, are live dance classes with Twitch and Allison on Instagram three times a week. How fun is it? What other circumstances would have brought out their creativity of being able to offer that as a free live class on Instagram where thousands of people around the world can join and do simple hip hop with them. So freaking cool. So yes, we have a lot of creative options right now. I don't want to dismiss the work that's being done in that capacity. But I'm talking about all the things that you know to be true in your daily lives that are normally your go-tos, normally things you do outside of the house, normally things your kids are doing outside of the house or your significant other, including work, but also including extracurricular activities and everything else, right? Everything is now focused internally, in your house space, in your heart space, in your family space. And with that huge rapid shift that we had becomes this like almost this begging of us to listen to ourselves. For some people that might feel like a loud screaming of get get me the hell out of here. I can't take it. For some people that might be feel like an exhale, like a sigh of relief, like, I needed a break. There's probably a giant litany of experiences and possibilities. But one of the things that I want to bring this around to regarding the personal GPS is even in that, there is such huge, crucial information for you. So one of the beliefs that this is based on is that life is happening for you, not to you. And what I mean by that is I talked about in the first episode, I talked about how I believe we're all here at Earth School, that we are all here to grow, to learn, to heal, to expand, to have an experience via a series of experiences, right? Where we have an opportunity to truly learn who we are in this one unique lifetime. There is only one lifetime where I get to be Christina Marie Olson. This is my one time to have these particular gifts, to look this particular way, to have these particular parents and brother and friends and friends who become like family. All these various qualities, all these various aspects, there's just one shot right? And with that one shot, 
is your completely unique life experience. And along with that comes your completely unique personal GPS. And so one of the ways that we can start listening to our personal GPS is to start to notice the the patterns, the stories, the voice, the monologue in our heads, the things that kind of constantly keep knocking at the door. One of the Wayne Dyer quotes that has stuck with me is he says, when you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out. And the profound nature of that quote is we are all being squeezed right now. No matter what your particular circumstance is, we are all being squeezed in different ways, but every single one of us is being squeezed. And so let's use the juice that's coming out from our own personal squeezing. Is it more like unsweetened grapefruit juice that kind of tastes a little bitter and makes your face pucker up? Is it amazingly delicious orange juice from a perfectly sun-ripened orange? Um, Is it some other type of (laughs) fruit or vegetable juice entirely? I have no idea. And one of the reasons why I think... um, there can be a lot of fear around our personal GPS is we think we're the only ones with fill in the blank. Um, Like if I said that bitter grapefruit juice and you're like, ugh, yeah, that's kind of resonating with me right now. And then you hear about the deliciously sweet orange juice, you just wish, why can't that, why can't I be feeling that? Well, because again, going back to earth school, And this whole concept that we are here for a reason, we are here to learn and grow and experience and expand, what is in you at any given time is what your being, your body, your soul is wanting you to see, to acknowledge, to experience. It is so common, for example, when a celebrity dies for there to be a massive outpouring of grief. I think of a few people recently, uh, Prince in the last few years and the outpouring. I think of Kobe Bryant and the outpouring of national grief around who this person was, what their contribution was, and what it means to all of these various individuals to no longer have that one human physically on the planet. Well, for some, there's a very personal reason for that, right? Some people maybe grew up idolizing Prince and and it almost feels like, you know, maybe he and his music were something that got you through really hard times or was kind of a, a beacon for you. Well, then that grief is a particular variety. But a lot of times when we have this big kind of national outpouring of grief, What it is, is someone has given us the opportunity to experience the grief that was already in us. And 
I don't remember whether or not I mentioned this in the first podcast. For some reason, I feel like I did. But this virus is impacting our lungs. And in Chinese medicine, lungs are related to grief. And so it wouldn't be surprising at all that one of the various flavors of juice that's coming out of you right now when you're feeling squeezed could be traced back to grief, either the loss of a loved one at some point in time in your life or the loss of a dream, the loss of a job, the loss of a friendship. There are so many losses that we have and we habitually and kind of systemically have not had a way to grieve that is commonly understood and accepted and encouraged. And so a lot of that gets shoved back down. And then something like this happens, like coronavirus, and all of a sudden people are losing a lot at once. People are losing loved ones. People are losing hopes and dreams you know, based upon losses in the economy, based on on things changing in the external world. And people are losing like that sense of control and stability that we thought we had. And so there's a lot of loss right now. So that might be one of the things that's coming through for you. And if so, again, meditating, journaling, actually letting the emotions flow through, talking to somebody who you trust and and confiding in them of what you're feeling, all these things are ways to move that energy. But back to this concept of a personal GPS, I think one of the reasons that it's so complex to try to describe it is because most people don't have a reference point for what their personal GPS even is because systemically we've been told to listen to others to follow a particular path and that path on the one hand almost feels like it's the same for everybody but at the same time when you look at that you can kind of laugh at it right because it's like ridiculous how how that would be impossible for it to be the same for everybody but but there are messages that we all get about whether or not we're smart enough to do certain things or whether or not because we're smart, we have to do certain things um, and deemed smart by whose standards, you know, whether or not we are good at a particular type of schooling. And then there's expectations about what road we would take and how different would those look if the perceptions of what we were quote unquote capable of were different. How much does that change? Hint significantly. When you grow up in a different socioeconomic environment, a different cultural environment, a different part of the world. All these things are, like I talked about in the first episode, that we grew up in this swimming pool with chlorine. All these things are additional additives to the swimming pool. Uh, I'm not big on swimming pool chemistry, so I couldn't even begin to accurately tell you (laughs) what an analogy would be for those chemicals. But what I could tell you is like, some of it's a little bit of green food coloring. Some of it's a can of soda. Some of it's some fresh water from a lake. Some of it is, I don't know, vitamin C serum. Who knows? All these things have been poured in. They're not all bad. They're not all good. 
they're they just are what they are but they come from our external environment they don't tend to come from within us and this is so indoctrinated not maliciously I don't believe I think it's genuinely from people who love and care about us and want us to do well within the systems and the society that we have but what it does is it takes your personal GPS and it kind of turns it off and it's like oh yeah by the way listening to that isn't safe so we're learning and again I'm not a scientist I'm not going to go into the details of the science but we are learning more and more and more every day about how much the gut and the brain interact with each other and the gut is tells us, for example, when to be afraid of something. We kind of have a gut feeling, right? We have a vibe, a a gut response. Um, Sometimes when we get really excited, we have butterflies in our stomach. There's all sorts of interactions and reactions that we have in our guts. And I'll just leave this one right here and you can go do research on it later. I'm really hoping to have somebody talk in detail on the podcast about gut brain health. But one thing we do know is that if we've taken a lot of antibiotics, which many children have um, growing up for, you know, thank God for, I'm not dissing antibiotics. They have been a human health game changer. And if we don't restore our healthy gut bacteria, then we are lacking in some of the ways that our gut and our brains can work together and really create the most positive thriving life for us. And so that journey of recreating your super healthy gut microbiome is a worthwhile exploration. I'll plant the seed that for me, functional medicine was huge because functional medicine sends off tests so you can figure out exactly what's going on and it's it's not a guessing game. And then you can actually take herbs, take supplements, do dietary changes. There's all sorts of things that you can do to rebalance your gut. And it it was really hard for me physically. I had to get rid of a lot of stuff and that was exhausting. It was It was harder for a while until it got easier. But now... I realized how much energy I was losing, basically like leaking every single day. And those things are huge in our personal empowerment. Because if we have our full energies and we have good serotonin production and we are in a place where we are feeling strong and capable and have more days where we're feeling good than not, physically, mentally, emotionally, then we know the truth of who we are and we know the truth of what we're able to do. And what we're able to do in this life is lead a purpose-driven, powerful, impactful life. So the first place to really look at your personal GPS is... What is your gut saying? Are you confident when you go with your gut? What tends to be the result? And this this is a practice of being an observer of your own experience, right? Because 
we have to have enough confidence in our ability to navigate life to detach a bit from all the things that say, oh my God, wait, you're telling me to trust my gut and then just see what happens? Like, what if a giant disaster is created? I trust you. And I think you trust you. And I would encourage you to trust you. Because that's the biggest thing. That's the whole reason. If we had to say why, why does it matter to even start tuning into our personal GPS? It's because we need to fully trust ourselves and trust that connection that we have to something that's greater than what the conscious thinking mind kind of has in store for us. Because the conscious thinking mind is only a part of the equation. And yet again, I feel like we've been indoctrinated into thinking it's the whole equation. Living from that space leads to a super like fear. The word is like, it's like fear enhanced. It's like I'm seeing like, they're making a, a latte and they're like putting in the espresso. Maybe that's your ability to take action. And they're putting in the warm milk. Maybe that's the universe's ability to take action. You know, if you make lattes, like a little bit of espresso, a lot of milk, right? And then if we're thinking that we have to know everything and understand everything and have control over everything in our brains, that's like taking like a shot of freaking gasoline and just like dumping it into the latte. No, thanks. <laughs> Just light that shit on fire. Thanks. (laughs) So with all that being said, the next element of the personal GPS that I want to talk about is the heart. And most of us talk about our hearts um, in a way that it's almost like a abstract concept. And maybe to our thinking mind it is. And... As I was reading in preparation for what I was going to talk about around this, I was curiously looking at the electromagnetic field and what what is like the most up-to-date science. Now, granted, again, not getting into super details here at all, but the HeartMath Institute is... One that it's super cool. If you're interested in it, it's heartmath.org. I'll put it in the show notes. They look at your heart resonance and frequency and they do worldwide meditations where everybody meditates at the same time and some sort of magic happens and I don't know, creates this giant love bubble. <laughs> Definitely not an official spokesperson for HeartMath. <laughs> They're like way more scientific than me saying we meditate together and create a heart bubble. But you know what? Like that's all I need to know because I'm like at the kindergarten level version of this and five-year-old me would be super stoked that I could participate in a meditation and create a heart bubble with a bunch of other people on the planet. So I'm sticking with that. So this is what they have to say. So the electromagnetic field produced through the heart, it can be detected several feet away from the individual. And many believe that conscious awareness originates in the brain alone. So that's what we were talking about with regard to the mind. But recent scientific research suggests that consciousness actually emerges from the brain and the body acting together. 
yeah, you know, we're one being. We we don't chop ourselves off at the neck. We got to stop it. Not this, to chopping ourselves off at the neck. It, it's not serving us anymore. A growing body of evidence suggests that the heart plays a particularly significant role in this process. So it's being recognized as a highly complex system with its own functional quote-unquote brain. There's a new discipline called neurocardiology. Shows that the heart is a sensory organ and sophisticated center for receiving and processing information. And that there's a nervous system with the, within the heart, and that's what they call the heart brain. And it enables us to learn, remember, and make functional decisions independent of the brain's cerebral cortex. So numerous experiments have demonstrated that the signals of the heart continuously send brain, the brain information, and that informs the perception, cognition, and emotional processing within the brain. And this makes complete sense, right? Over the course of time, we hear story after story, legend after legend of people following their hearts. Human beings have this like fascination and pull, like magnetic pull to what their hearts are telling them. It's what causes people to have conflict in their life of not knowing what to do, not knowing which part of themselves to listen to. I've been watching one funny creator on TikTok lately. She's like in her early 20s and she dresses up as all these different characters that are all her. So like one is logic and one is her brain and one is her heart and she'll talk from each perspective. It's rather brilliant. Um, but it's so indicative of what like all of our everyday experiences. And because the heart brings in this information and is pulled towards things that maybe feel quote-unquote irrational at times or dangerous, scary, vulnerable, we have so like oversold the muscle that is like the thinking mind. A lot of people get to this place where they stop listening to their heart or stop trusting their heart and they go, all in, all chips on the brain. And again, we're not we're not making the brain the bad guy. We're simply saying like it's out of balance. We have a brain, a body, and a soul experience, mind, body, spirit for a reason. All of these components inform your personal GPS, your direction in life, what you know to be true and best for you. And The thing is, is nobody else has your gut instincts. Nobody else has your heart magnetic pull. A lot of other people can understand the same logic that you posit. So that's why we tend to convince others to go with their logic Because we're projecting onto them, A, we can understand their logic. So we found a common language. Oh, let's talk logic to logic. Okay, we're all speaking English. And if we're we're talking heart to heart, then maybe I'm speaking Spanish and you're speaking French and maybe we understand a little bit of each other, but it's not the same language. So 
And we also doubt ourselves. And so that's one of the other reasons that we're constantly engaged in these conversations with others, wherein then it turns to like, well, what's the most logical thing to do is we we've been through situations where we've been hurt. Maybe we felt really, really tough emotions. Maybe we felt grief, abandonment, betrayal, helplessness, hopelessness. There's a whole series of things we can feel. And when you felt those things, you tend to not want to feel them again. But then you live a smaller and smaller life with regard to ever being led by your gut or your heart. And instead, you're being led solely by your brain, which in essence kind of turns us into robots. So what happens when we unleash ourselves, when we free ourselves to start trusting ourselves again? Well, one thing that happens is we create space in the relationships in our life for those around us to trust themselves as well. And that is one of the biggest gifts that you can give to somebody else or you can receive in a friendship, anytime you can give somebody the gift of self-trust, it might sound like, I don't know what's best for you, but I trust you. I know you'll navigate beautifully, no matter what happens. Or it sounds like you're really conflicted because there's a part of you that really wants to go with your heart, but you're second-guessing yourself. And just reflecting that back to the person and the person being like, you know what, you're right. I am really clear in my heart. I'm just afraid. Fantastic. As soon as we can say the word, I'm afraid, then in Tina's belief system, you're in the clear. Why? Because fear isn't who you are. Love is who you are. So if you can say, I'm afraid, the fear isn't doesn't equal me. The fear equals the sweater I'm wearing today. It's not who I am. It's just the clothing I happen to be wearing. I could take that sweater off and put a different one on. I get to choose. As soon as I clearly recognize something is fear, all of a sudden I get to choose again. So going deeper, I'm going to add two more elements to this personal GPS. The first is intuition. Intuition And the receipt of intuitive information is different for everybody. And I believe everybody has intuition. Everybody has access to intuition. And also that it's like a muscle. And just like there are some people who, like, anybody can be an athlete in one way or another. No matter how your body is abled, you can be an athlete in one way or another. And most people probably weren't born with the gifts to become an Olympic athlete for one reason or another. There's a reason what's the Olympics It's every four years, right? There's like a very, very, very elite percentage that are competing at that level. Hear me out on this. So I think intuition and athletics are really, really good analogy. Because a lot of people turn over their intuitive knowing to someone who's using their intuition professionally. And I'm only going to talk here about people who are 
in a ton of integrity, huge alignment, and have big intuitive gifts as like a part of their purpose, those people I would consider to be like the equivalent of the Olympic athletes. Now, there are a ton of people who are doing fear-based intuitive stuff. There are a ton of people who are, you know, willing to take your money in Jackson Square in New Orleans to do like a card table to row reading. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not saying all those people who are at card tables don't have good skills. I can't tell you one way or the other, but I'd say like that's the equivalent of like a St. Patty's Day 5K (laughs) compared to the Olympics, right? Like, let's not even talk about that. I'm talking about people. I'm having Janet Raftis on the next episode. She is an intuitive energy healer. She is absolutely amazing. She's what I'm talking about when I talk about like there's certain people who are the Olympians of intuition and being clear enough to be able to do it at a really, really high level for other people. Okay, fantastic. Just laying out the spectrum. So for everybody, you are somewhere on the intuitive spectrum with regard to your own life. I don't know how much intuition you have for other people. I don't know how well developed you've developed your intuitive skills. So again, going back to we're all athletes in some capacity. We all have movement as a part of our physical being in some way, shape, or form. Our own intuition has to be developed over time because for most people, our own intuition got overridden and probably got overridden at a young enough age that we may not even remember the intuitive skills or hits that we did have because it may have happened young enough that you don't even have conscious memory of having any intuitive hits. Uh, You might. You might know exactly. I know a lot of people who know exactly when they turn their intuition off. They got freaked out. They maybe sensed um, some sort of paranormal activity in their home or something, and they were like, hell no, I'm out. And that's our choice. We can turn off our intuition. And so if you don't feel intuitive or you're not even sure what that would look like within you, open up to the idea that maybe you flipped a switch off. And if you're open now, You could try on something along the lines of, hey, hey, soul. (laughs) You don't have to talk to your soul formally. You You can get its attention anyway. It's just hanging out. I'm open to knowing, interacting, hearing from my own intuition again. Please send me information for my highest and best. And please let me understand that that's intuitive information. So for a lot of people at the beginning... Uh, of bringing this back online, it can be really, really helpful to choose some sort of a sign like a butterfly or a particular kind of bird or a number sequence if you already happen to see that you often see 1111 or something like that. That can help us as having like a concrete thing where oh, I think I just got an intuitive hit. Of course, the brain's going to go, I'm not so sure because I don't know. Do I believe that? Am I just making it up? Did I just make that up in my head because I want to see it? Whoosh, a butterfly flies by. You know then if you had said, and by the way, send me butterflies as confirmation, you know. I mean, you can still second guess it, but hey, that's on you. (laughs) 
only going to I'm only going to teach the like one step dressed. <laughs> you could take it 10 steps out and still doubt it if you want. But um, this is about your own intuition. And it's not here to hurt you. It's not here to bring you negative information. It's not here to give you doom and gloom. It's here to genuinely help you navigate your life. And when I talk about my personal GPS, I would say like intuition is for me is like the number one dial on my, it's like my main map setting. It's like cars as opposed to biking, walking or public transportation. (laughs) Like the main default for me is intuition. And so I just personally feel it is super important. You might have your gut as your number one or your heart. Or then the last one element I want to bring in here are triggers. So it's kind of the opposite side of the scale. So your intuition is probably going to tell you the things that are really for you. I'll give you kind of a, a simple example for me before we jump over to triggers. So when I was moving to Chicago, I was not in the market looking to purchase anything. I was not even in the market looking to move, really. I was living out here in Chicago with my parents um, because my dad was undergoing cancer treatment uh, and we were living in Evanston. And we were about halfway through his stay. And one day on Facebook, I see a post from somebody who I had met on a flight a couple years earlier. And she and I had had like a deep heart-centered conversation on our flight between Chicago and Salt Lake. And I learned during that conversation that she's a folk musician. And so I went on Facebook and liked her folk music page. You know, one of those things of like, hey, good on you. You're making your music. You're creating your art. Fantastic. No skin off my back to like, send you a heart or a like when you release a new album or when you post a concert, right? We had no other connection that. We weren't directly connected on Facebook or anything. So she posts on her music page that she's selling her beloved condo in Chicago. And I go through the pictures really quickly and I look at the price and of course, compared to the Bay Area, I'm like, oh my God, this is like free. The pictures look cute. And I was like, well, I should just go see I was curious and so I messaged her and I said I don't know if you're gonna remember me but I'm not really in the market so you know I don't I don't have an agent I don't need an official showing but like is there an open house and she said oh it's no problem my agent will be happy to take you through so when I was driving to go see the place I literally said to the universe please if this is meant for me Make that abundantly clear. Basically, give me all green lights. I wasn't talking about traffic signals. I was just saying like, hey, make this, let this flow. But if this is not meant for me, then please make it obvious. Throw up the barriers, throw up the road signs, the stop signs. Like, let me please know. Because there was way too much going on in my head and my heart at the time for me to feel like I was going to get any sort of a clear understanding using any logic or any pro con list or any even talking to other people like there was not that was not gonna that was not gonna pan out for me I needed my intuition to clearly tell me was this the next step on my soul path or not so I came and saw the place 
And I said to the agent, you know, this is really cute, but I'm not I'm not even in the market. I don't have any idea like what would need to happen for me to get financing because I have another mortgage already. Like I, I didn't know any of the things. And she said, well, if you're interested, just you can call my broker I work with a lot. Here you go. Here's your number. Well, what then proceeded to happen was all green lights. I call this mortgage person. She got me pre-approved by the time I'm even back to our apartment in Evanston that's only 20 minutes away. And I live here now and it's been the most amazing, healing, loving cocoon space I could possibly have. I absolutely adore this space. And there's no way my brain or my heart would have had, or my gut, any part of me would have had any way to know that this was the next step and to take it at that time and that this is truly what was meant to happen. And so I relied on my intuition and spirit guided me. So I'll wrap that intuitive part up for now. I'll plant those seeds. You do with what you want. I'll add a book in the show notes. That was my first kind of opening to starting to use signs. It was called Do Dead People Watch You Shower? And it was recommended to me by an intuitive many, many years ago. It's little vignettes. It's really cute. It's written by somebody who works as a psychic. And when she'd go to cocktail parties and people would find out she was a psychic, she would get asked the same questions over and over and over again. So her book is like little two, three page stories about each of the, like her answers to each of the questions that she would get when she was at cocktail parties. It's really cute. So triggers. Triggers are like the opposite of your intuition saying, yes, go this way, do this. Fantastic. Spirit, spirit squad, spirit. (laughs) The spirit, spirit squad. That's what I was trying to say. Like your spirit cheerleaders cheering you on, saying, yes, 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 do that. Triggers are, holy shit, wrong direction, wrong way. However, they have gems in them. And most of us just get the not this way uh, message from triggers without actually mining them for their gold. So hear me out on this. So triggers, my definition of a trigger is anything from the most significant or the most obvious would be when we have um, the full-on shot of stress hormones. The fight, flight, or freeze goes often feels like kind of a burning sensation through the middle of your body. You might get tingly or lightheaded. You might start to to get shaky or, or I often get cold. Maybe all the blood rushes to the center of my body or something. I don't know. Um, Again, that's for the scientists. But bottom line is when we are triggered into fight, flight, or freeze, a whole series of hormonal responses transpires. And when all of those things transpire, we can't cry. We are singularly focused because we basically, the part of our brain that thinks our lives are in jeopardy is what is um, triggered. And so we're in a mode of having to figure out 
what this danger, what this threat is and how to navigate it. Our breathing shortens. We have that spike of adrenaline. So if your response is to to fight or to flight, you know, you would have the energy to do that. Freeze is like one trauma step more significant. But all of those things are our body saying, not safe. I can't cope with this. I can't manage this. And you're in total blinders mode. So the things to know about this, number one, super freaking helpful in the physical world. Super helpful when dog runs off the leash into traffic and you're screaming and running after the dog and picking up the dog just in time before someone rolls down the street over the dog. Super freaking helpful, right? You can insert child into that example. You can imagine the physical examples. Even I remember when I would get triggered in this way, walking Oski as a senior in Chicago, crossing streets and having people look like they aren't going to stop the stop sign. And I'm in the middle of the street and I now have a senior dog who can't just run with me um, out of the way. And and it's like mama bears here. You know, this this is like I would... <laughs> I would stop that car with my hands if that's what it took, right? It's what keeps us alive on this physical earth from situations that are actual threats, threats to our health and safety. What's happened is because of events that have either transpired earlier in your life or in your ancestors' lives, and they've now proven trauma markers are passed on down the DNA. It could be, in my belief, from past lives. But nevertheless, all these things can cause triggers to transpire when there's no actual physical threat happening. So how many people who are listening have gotten an email and got that shot of hormones or have been having a conversation on the phone with somebody and experienced that shot of hormones? Or maybe even you're just getting ready in the bathroom and it's just you, yourself, and I. (laughs) And you have a thought and all of a sudden you're triggered, right? So... That's when this super helpful mechanism that we have that keeps us safe on this physical earth has kind of turned into something that can be to our detriment if we don't understand what it's actually trying to tell us and how to mine the energy for the gold. Why would we mine triggers for the gold? Here goes my theory. When we have energy wrapped up, bound up, I'm just going to go ahead and use that analogy, like tied up in a knot in an old scenario that's no longer transpiring. And this goes back to the subconscious beliefs that I talked about in the first episode, that we all are running a ton of subconscious belief patterns, and those are not bad nor good, they just are. But some are still serving our current lives, and some of them 
are based on things that aren't the case for us any longer and aren't serving and could use an update, aka next iOS update, triggers often show us a window directly into those subconscious belief patterns that are ready to be changed. It's kind of like if you have an app, and now granted most of our phones update apps automatically so we don't come across this, but if you have your automatic update turned off and you come across an app and you push it and it's like this app, it'll give you that message like this app needs to be updated. It's no longer working. You need the most updated version. That's exactly a trigger. Like that app's not telling you that you're about to die. You're actually fine. Your responsibility is breathe. When we can bring our parasympathetic nervous system back online, which can be done simply by slowing our breath down, then we actually have the opportunity to get curious about what just triggered us. And I'm telling you, if you can get good at what's the first thought that runs through your head when you get that trigger, that's like your decoder. That's like your straight ticket into the app, aka the belief that wants to be changed. So the first thought through might be like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it through this, or I'm not good enough, or oh my God, they're mad at me. I don't know. It, it, it could be any number of things, but that first thought is literally the app in your brain saying, outdated belief ready for a change. By the way, I love you enough that I'm going to keep triggering you on this same belief pattern until you lovingly hold space for me to change. And sometimes in some of us, that change might require a release of emotions. Fantastic. Emotions are not good or bad. They just are. Uh, I just recommend not releasing them on to others. Think of emotions as like a healthy bowel movement. <laughs> it's just waste moving out. So if you're really angry, I recommend writing it down. Writing down every single thing you would want to say, every bit of your anger, write it down. Safely burn it. I personally love to burn things and then dump water on it and flush it down the toilet because it feels like a double cleanse. It's like the energy gets burnt and then it gets washed. You could put it in a paper shredder. So I remember reading at one point in time, and I wish I knew the name of the monk, but a Buddhist monk was talking about how Westerners would say, what do you mean you can like basically transmute the energy of anger by burning a piece of paper? And he says, well, do any of you have small children? And they say, yes. Have any of you taken one of your child's drawings like from kindergarten class or preschool and put it up on the fridge? Yeah. Well, is it a beautiful work of art like Van Gogh? <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. Why'd you put it on the fridge? Well, it was made with so much love. It was made with care. They they made this for me. This is going to be a wonderful memory. Yes. And 
That's a piece of paper and some markers or crayons. So the reason that you feel so much in that piece of art is the emotion that was put into it that then you feel when you receive it. So just like we can pour emotion onto a piece of art or into a a loving card to send to a friend and they receive that emotion when they open it and read it, same thing happens when we put the emotion of anger onto a piece of paper. That piece of paper in itself is already like burning of rage, right? And so then you get to lovingly transmute that energy by burning it and releasing it with forgiveness, with love, with compassion, whatever energy you actually want to feel, it makes a difference. And most people aren't in touch with their healthy anger because they've either been taught to repress all anger or they've been taught that you take anger out on other people. So either your choices were yell and scream at others around you or repress it and have it live in your body. And neither of those feel very good, right? And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of you listening that's like, I don't feel anger. Yeah, I didn't either until my counselor like made me actually go do this. What she made me do was write down what I needed to say. And then she told me to go say it somewhere, but not to anybody, just say it. So I went to, this is back in California, I went up to Inspiration Point and then I climbed up a side hill to the like the top of the top of the ridge and it was midday midweek when no one was going to be around and I said this thing that I needed to say and that reopened this healthy channel of anger so that I don't have to be repressing it or taking it out on other people I can identify that oh I feel angry about something and I can write it down and I can burn it and I can let it go Or I can see it as what I call sacred rage, which is like boundaries, which is like social justice. Like there's just hell knows in our life that we need to recognize. And it doesn't mean we need to go shout it to or from anybody. It's for our own refinement, right? It's for our own understanding. So these triggers are another aspect of your personal GPS. And everybody gets triggered by different things. And there is no shame in getting triggered. The very best is when you get triggered. I'm best, you know, I'm not trying to make a value judgment. But the most helpful, in my opinion, is when you get triggered to have a trusted, and I'm going to say professional here, and I'm going to say it for a reason. I don't mean you can't call a friend, but... It's energetically expensive to hold space for somebody else's triggers because most often there's a lot of really heavy energy that comes with it and it takes a lot of uh, patience and concerted presence to hold space for it and then to help them explore or to help them hear. And a lot of times because triggers are what our egos hold on to as an aspect of keeping ourselves safe, a perceived aspect of keeping ourselves safe. If I hold on to these things that have triggered me and I make sure to design my life around not getting triggered, then I can be safe all the time. Yeah, that doesn't work. But our egos have tricked us into thinking that that's the way to be. And so I really strongly encourage you that if you're going to do work 
going into uh, I th- Western psychology would call it shadow work. Um, but basically, it's going into your triggers with love, with light, shining a light on them, not false positivity, shining a light of love and compassion on them and saying, what is this about? What is asking to heal from me? On my own personal journey, I would have told you you were batshit crazy if you told me 10 years ago that my journey with triggers was going to go how it did. Because what I learned is eh, 90 something percent probably, if I was keeping track in that way, had been related to past lives. What? That like wasn't even anywhere on my radar. I didn't grow up believing any of that. (laughs) So to think I would have spent most of my 30s reclaiming who I truly am, reclaiming my gifts, reclaiming my intuition as like one of my superpowers. My sensitivity is one of my superpowers. Reclaiming my creativity and that a lot of that would come with healing past lives. I would have said you were batshit. (laughs) So if you're in a place where you're really, really like, yeah, you know, I'm done I'm done facing these triggers. I know they're not who I truly am. Or I'm scared to death that they are who I truly am. I'm actually terrified someone's going to tell me all the more reason to get a professional. And by professional, there are fantastic counselors and therapists out there. I've used a number of them myself. Um, I am personally picky about what that looks like because I believe that simply talking about things, simply staying in the story of things kind of just makes that superhighway stronger of that story. But there are a ton of Western trained counselors who also use intuitive gifts, who also use, like, for example, there's a technique called EMDR that is super helpful in rewiring trauma, eye movement, EMD, desensitization reprogramming, I think it is. I'll put another book in the show notes, The Body Keeps the Score, is super helpful in understanding. Um, And I use that book like an oracle. I I didn't read it cover to cover. I just like opened a page one day and read about EMDR and I was like, oh, apparently that's the next step on my journey. And it was so incredibly helpful. And I know I had that experience of resolving the last bit of my trauma through EMDR so that I could share how powerful it is. Coaches, professionally trained coaches. Again, I'll give the same caveat that I did in therapists and counselors. In my own opinion, the word coach, because it's an unregulated industry, you know, therapists have licensing, right? Coaches do not. However, that doesn't mean that it's just a free for all. There is an international governing body for certifying coaches and certifying coaching programs. So again, if you're looking to find a coach, look and make sure they're certified by by a professional program and then also see that the human being in the way that they approach life resonates with you. This is this is really precious, really important stuff. It's your own psyche, it's your own life, it's your it's your it's reclaiming your personal GPS. Like if that isn't worth finding somebody based on your personal GPS, I don't know what is, right? And then also intuitives. And a lot of those things cross over. So my very first counselor who I spent, you know, any significant period of time with was also my first Theta Healing teacher, Kelsey, who I had on last week. She is a professional coach and certified human design reader, intuitive human design reader. So 
you know, there's a lot of people who have spent their time, their energy, their money, and they're aligning to their purpose because it's a part of their calling to do this work for and with people. The sooner that we allow ourselves to be held in that space and to value ourselves and to value the people who have trained to do this work, then kind of the faster all this happens, right? Because again, intention is behind everything. And the last bit that I'll leave you with is it's totally up to you at what pace you want to bring your personal GPS back online. Just like my analogy with intuition, where there's everything from your everyday athlete who, you know, is somebody who walks a mile a few times a week to Olympians, your own path with this is completely up to you. And that's the beauty of it all. Your own GPS, like that's the very first place that you can start trusting your own GPS is how to bring your own GPS back online. I will leave you with all of that for today. I love you immensely. I will give you a few downloads. So once again, downloads are those subconscious programs. And if you would like them, say yes. If not, you can just say no. But would you like to know that you have direct and immediate access to your personal GPS? Would you like to know that you know how to discern your own true feelings and what's for your highest and best on your path as separate from all the information in the outside world? And that you get to discern what information from the outside world is a part of your journey and what's simply not meant for you. Would you like to know that you can live without self-doubt? Would you like to know that it's safe to completely trust yourself? I love you and have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm-hmm.